Hey folks, uh, this is Anatoly, and you're listening to the Solana Podcast. And today I have with me Jiho, who's a co-founder of Axie Infinity. Hey, thanks for thanks for the invite. Uh, super excited to be here. Awesome, man. Um, so you guys are um, like the thing right now. <laughs> uh, it, it's pretty crazy. Like uh, all, all of a sudden I saw this explosion of everyone really talking about Axie and and folks in the traditional gaming space reaching out to us and like asking us to explain how it works and what it does um so i mean in fact like crazy i mean like the craziest thing i've heard was that uh bill gates foundation is talking to you guys about ubi <laughs> through gaming so it, you're like right wow there there are a lot of there are a lot of rumors going on <laughs> the, uh, the, the gates foundation is actually interested in in the idea of player that you know It'll probably take a while for them to get fully acquainted with with the model, but yeah, I think I think uh, I think there's there's it's really exciting to see the world waking up to Axie waking up to the potential of NFT games. I think there's always been this creeping, it's kind of like a suspicion, right, or a hope for the space that gaming could bring in a different type of user, but people weren't sure exactly what it would look like. There was a hint of it during the kind of the crypto kitties kind of boom and i remember kids kind of like discovering what ethereum was for that like you know kids that could figure out you know a bit of a bit of how ethereum works at the time that was hard <laughs> it wasn't easy um how did you guys even get into blockchain gaming yeah so we act- i actually uh, a lot of us actually met through CryptoKitties. A lot of the early Axie community members are from the CryptoKitty community. A lot of the Axie founders, Sky Mavis founders, are from the CryptoKitty community. So myself, Alex, our COO, Trung, uh, the guy who basically first originally had the idea, he's our CEO. We met each other playing uh, CryptoKitties. Um, so I think, yeah, that was a really important moment for the space where a lot of were that was kind of the first community <laughs> that formed and people started thinking about the future there. And I think Axie, uh, it was kind of a result of some of the, some of those early musings. Can you tell folks what is Axie? Like, how does it work? Sure. So Axie Infinity is a blockchain game centered around battling and collecting these cute, <laughs> adorable, puffy uh, pets called Axies where we carefully balance the in-game economy and kind of supercharge it using blockchain. So all the resources in the game are ERC-20 tokens. The axes are uh, NFTs, non-fungible tokens. We have our own marketplace. We're building our own decks for the exchange of in-game resources as well. So yeah, that's, ba- that's basically Axie. The idea is to introduce people to something that's kind of new and a little bit scary, blockchain through something that's familiar and nostalgic, something like a Pokemon or a Tamagotchi. And the game mechanics are kind of like battle, like, you know, like kind of Pokemon battle style, right? Yeah, yeah. So we have a battle system that's basically a card-based battle system. Each Axie has many different body parts, six different body parts. Different body parts correspond to different cards that they can draw in battle. There's so many different body parts because right, each Axie actually has a real genetic code that's stored on, on chain. So there are just so many different combinations, right? Because each team of Axie is three Axies, right? Each Axie has four cards. So there's basically huge combination of possible 
combinations. Did you guys have to deal with, um, like early in game design, often folks get things wrong, like the mechanics or like the, the balance of the game? Did you guys have, ever have to deal with that? We got a lot of things wrong. Axie has been constant iteration for three and a half years. I mean, at first we had battles on chain and there were auto battles. So people would submit a transaction <laughs> and then the Axies would go fight. And then we got rid of that. And then there was still auto battles. And then people were like, no, like we want to actually fight our Axies like in real time and make decisions in real time against another human being. We don't want to just click a button. It's really, oh, okay. Like that kind of makes sense. Like that sounds more fun. <laughs> so then we made a real time, the card battle system, right? And when that, when that came out, yeah, like, we did constant balancing. So the real-time card battles have been out in alpha for about 18 months right now. And we've been balancing it all along the way. Later this year, we hope to release an entirely new battle system that's going to be upgraded with new cards, new art. So it's, it's constant iteration. And yeah, I think the balancing is not perfect yet. And, and it's never going to be perfect. And, and, and just as it was starting to get good, we're about to create an entirely new challenge for ourselves by launching a new battle system. You could think of it as even a new game. Is there, um, is there kind of a, a new aspect to game development that is tied to blockchain? Like, what do you guys think that is different about what you guys are building than if this was like an iOS app or, or like a web-based game? Yeah, I think, so a blockchain game is a combination of an amazing fun game, but it's also an entire digital economy right so it's like rather than thinking as game developers right oftentimes you might imagine yourselves as the heads of state of a blossoming new emerging market nation a lot of the times that's what it feels like in terms of the decisions we have to make with regards to balancing the economy making sure gdp growth is high it's really also about okay like part of a crypto game is thinking very purposefully about how you can allow the in-game economy to prosper, right? So in traditional games, real money in-game economies are banned or you know not supported, or that game developer, even if they allow for a black or gray market, they don't think about like, okay, how do we maximize that, right? The incentives are not aligned, right? In our game ecosystem, we don't rely on primary sales, right? We don't sell much right now. Um, we just take 4.25% of all NFT transactions in our marketplace, as well as like a minting fee when a new Axie is created, right? So our incentives are aligned with our players to just grow the in-game player economy, the peer-to-peer -peer or the player-to-player -player economy as large as possible. That's awesome. Um I had this like inkling that this is something that could be really disruptive to social networks too. You know, like I have my Reddit community and right now the way that community makes money is for advertisement, right? They have to like steal my data and give me, give me information I don't want through ads. But if instead it just captured like user engagement through some like fun token, like karma token transactions, then the only thing that the devs need to like work on is like, how do we make this a more fun place, right? Like, how do we get people to like engage each other more? And uh, it's awesome that you guys found that in gaming too, because any modern day game you play right now is just maximizing 
how much I like, you know, spend money on like something like, you know, premium or whatever, like how much downloadable content I pay for, which is really like hurts me as a gamer who grew up in the nineties where I could like go get doom or whatever from the store and just play it, you know, for, for months. Definitely. I think uh, a lot, there is a lot of discontent with the current monetization paradigm uh, in, in, in gaming right now. I'm someone who I, I used to get so upset when my friends would like buy stuff in Clash Royale <laughs> <laughs> using my card. <laughs> I, I, I could never, I could never understand that kind of spending. Uh, so yeah, I mean, and that's not even the worst of it. Like Supercell is pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, I think gamers want more. I think gamers lack a lot of property rights. Gamers are a population that nobody ever thinks, right? Like two to three billion people. A lot of these people are, gaming is their primary pastime, their hobby. It might be the thing that they do most in the world. And we think, oh, like, yeah, they're having fun there. But like, we don't think of them as people that might need help, people that need property rights or economic freedom. But I think if we can start thinking about what their needs are, start serving them better as an industry, right, then they could become the largest allies of crypto. So I think this touches on this crazy thing that I think you confirmed that the Gates Foundation actually talked to you guys about UBI. And how does that like fit in your mind with property rights, with like gamer property rights? Hmm. So UBI is the premise that everyone deserves a livable income to be able to afford basic stuff. I guess my clarification of it would be, right, my take on the UBI is that it shouldn't be provided by the state. And I believe that people should still have to work uh, for their income. We just need to redefine what work is. Um, and I think that gaming is going to be a part of that solution. And um, I haven't spoken directly to the Gates Foundation, but they have confirmed that they're looking into it. So um, I think they might be speaking to some of our partners or in-game guilds or even. <laughs> I, I think the high-level idea is that um, if I play this game, I can effectively kind of find these items and you know find the cars and, and things that people want those people want it for kind of entertainment, but I'm doing it as kind of mid-level hobby slash way for me to earn a living, right? Like, and it's zero carbon basically, right? For me to sit in a computer and play this game. Um, but I am doing a form of work, right? I'm kind of a content creator. <laughs> it, it, it's like kind of, it's an interesting way to tie the loop of this idea that uh, if people have a, a wage that they actually earn through work, then it is um, just better for them in the long haul because they kind of feel like they're contributing to society at the end of the day versus just getting money like airdrops. Yeah, I mean, the gamers in our ecosystem, right, they're doing so much important work. First of all, most a lot of games, especially PvP game, is not fun, even if the mechanics are good, unless a lot of people are playing, right? You need a fast queue time and you need a matchmaking system that's going to put you at someone at your very close to your skill level. So the more data, the more people in the queue, the, the faster and better match people will get, which actually makes the game more fun. So yeah, that's super important for our ecosystem. So that it's, you know, that's one way to justify, right? Why, why people should be paid to play our game. Um, but yeah, all members of the ecosystem are also, right? Like doing stuff on social media, making content, 
so yeah, it, it's really powerful and, and important that there is some ability to just play the game and, and potentially earn something. Um, I'll also say that when someone wants to start playing Axie, they don't go to the store and buy a copy of Axie. They don't buy anything directly from us, right? Like when they want to enter our ecosystem, that's a peer-to-peer transaction. So what we've given is really is basically open sourced and given our distribution rights to Axie Infinity to our player base, right? And the way that they can access those distribution rights is by burning this in-game currency, this small, the love potions in order to create new axes. So right now, right, like the play to earn model, it's definitely dependent on growth, just like any emerging economy, right? It needs, it needs growth. Just like any startup, you need to grow or you're dying. I think like maybe like 30% of the spending right now is, you know, based on people spending for fun or status over time, that number, the more it increases, the easier it is to have a really super strong economy. Do you think this can be done without crypto, like without access to blockchain and ERC-20s and Ethereum? It can be done without blockchain, um, but it but it needs crypto, if that makes sense, right? So I think there are different layers of decentralization, right? There's decentralization of ownership, right? So what our players really like is, you know, 95% of the value that flows through the game is going to them. Um, and they like that right through a governance token, they can own part of the game. In terms of the data storage, right, that's that's a little bit more of a niche ask, right? It's like some, some, people, some people want it. The thing is like a lot of your most important users who have the most value on your platform, it's something that they want. Whereas like the people who are driving the user numbers, right, that might not be, right? So I mean, it's about balancing, but, and, but different user groups value different aspects of decentralization more. And right now, right, it, it makes a lot of sense to make sure that, okay, we're also optimizing for what people who are new to this space would care for, right? Which is like, basically, right, what's the thing that resonates with them is like, yeah, this is a fun, a game, a fun community, and there's this added aspect of earning. Could it be done without crypto or blockchain? I think it could be done without a blockchain, maybe. But eventually, like as more value congregated on the system, you would need to use a blockchain. It's also right, like, yeah, it's, it's easier to do. With, I think it's easier to do with a blockchain because then, for example, we need a DEX for Axie, right? So then we can just take DEX code and put it on Ronin, which is our scaling solution. If it wasn't on the blockchain, we would have to write the code for our own DEX, for example. So. And by the data availability thing, you're kind of talking about... Um like the users that maybe own a large chunk of value in the, in the game economy that want to be able to kind of exit to Ethereum, right. And, and, and like have that value be transferable on Ethereum. Yeah. They either want like a large number of validators, right. And like a, a kind of more, more decentralization on the side chain, right. More security decentralization on the side chain. Yeah. And also obviously they love the idea of like being able to settle down to Ethereum, but yeah, uh, I think like, one of one of the things that we want is right for users to feel comfortable like storing everything right on Ronin, right? That 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 helps the community and the ecosystem, right? By you know basically aggregating uh, funds within the ecosystem. So as the value that you guys capture, right, from the synth game economy, like I remember playing like EverQuest when people were talking about that that in game economy is the size of like 
Lithuania or some small country. <laughs> like as that value that starts growing, do you feel more pressure for Ronan, the chain, to be, you know, more decentralized, more secure, like have those aspects that people kind of ask of like the ETH is money or, you know, kind of like those requirements placed on, on the other chains. Yeah. It's something that, you know, um, is, is important for us to like think about and plan for uh, I'll say, but yeah, I, I think like we're, we're mostly focused on what our users want. I think like, like that's our number one thing. So we try and do systematic ways of understanding what our users want rather than right like crypto memes um, that like are just sayings right that are propagated in different ways so <laughs> yeah there there are also right there are wants and then there are needs and there are luxuries and then there are mission critical features of course uh, i think like one of the things that we've really done and one of the things i think that we've brought to this space is just like a product development mindset so kind of like almost like traditional product development mindset towards building games Right, like most game developers, game designers, they were, that's what they've always been, right? Very few of them like came from the world of like product development. So I think like that's one of the things that we bring to, to the gaming. And then, yeah, I think one of the things that we bring to crypto is just being really focused on users and having users. Like it's really difficult to take a lean development mindset where you're yeah constantly iterating and talking to users if you have no way of getting like your first batch of users. Right. And I think also it's like a lot of founders, they'll be like, oh, I only have 20 users. Like, okay, I'm going to go back to like trading crypto, <laughs> right? Like, whereas those 20 users are actually, yeah, you need to talk to those people for three years and then you can be an overnight success. How, uh, what were your user numbers in those first couple of years? Yeah, it's like minuscule, uh, like hundreds of people. Last year, at this time, we had five hundred, maybe five hundred DAU, and now we're at six hundred and eighty thousand. So. Congrats, man! That's blood, sweat, and tears <laughs> for three years at a few hundred D- DAUs. What kept you guys going? Hmm. We knew that the community was special, and and it was always like, okay, we know, like, <laughs> we just had a breakthrough, we just had a discovery, <laughs> like, okay, we know that now we know, like, we understand governance tokens now, right? Like, we can use this governance token to uh you know solve the chicken and egg issue right where that was a breakthrough the the side chain was always right, like was coming so there was always like okay like we felt like we were making discoveries and kind of inventing <laughs> inventions and, and then realizing that once we put them all together we were going to create something really special right it was just it took a lot of time to actually do that right so it's like we just deployed Ronin, our side chain, in April, right? And that's actually what, like, one is one of the things that kicked off hypergrowth, right? It was like a combination of this scalable side chain with the play to earn, um, and then obviously, yeah, like we tried to grow by just having our game be good enough, right? So it's like if you're if you're relying on the game being good enough to just like uh, attract growth, like or grow by itself, right? it's like the game I think was like it's like relatively good. Um, it's good enough. So it's like you have a good enough game that's also super cute and beautiful with the play to earn. You know, there was always like, okay, this is the next step. And, and the community was like super excited. And we're, we were able to, we're also, we have a super low burn rate, right? So it's like, we're, we're not like people who need a lot of capital to perform. Well, capital is one thing, right? But like, it, it does, congrats, man. Like uh, having that, like, realization that you're building something special and those like kind of eureka moments um 
that that's kind of what drove me for like a couple of years. Like the burn rate wasn't as important as like, am I going to be doing this for five more years? Is there gonna, or is this bear market going to last five years or another six months? Right. Like you gotta, you gotta keep yourself moving. Um, and it sounds like you guys had a similar experience that if you're discovering stuff and you have those like eureka moments, those are pretty awesome. Do you guys feel that the metaverse and this idea of like these user owned assets that you guys, you, you described as like owned by the users with their property rights. Is that where gaming is headed? Or do you think like, do you see those things as like kind of inevitable? Hmm. It's hard, it's hard for me to say. I, I think that play to earn games will be a new genre of games. Just like there's like mobile free to play, right? But like consoles still exist, like PC games still exist. So I think like player in games, yeah, will be it's gonna bring in like new types of gamers, people that used to not be able to play games because they didn't have time, like stay-at-home mothers that are looking to earn some extra income while they're like need to sit by the baby. <laughs> it's like there there are very few jobs that you can do while looking being right next to your baby, making sure that it's okay. So I think like that image of like yeah, a mother playing a player in game, playing Axie next to their child. Um, I think like yeah. It's something really important. Um, but yeah, it's showing that we're going to bring in new types of gamers. And yeah, I think it's going to be huge. I think it could be the largest game category ever because it totally increases the pool of potential players. Um, people who think that gaming is a waste of time like <laughs> might, might, might be more interested if you can actually yeah, make real friends, work, um, learn a new technology. Um, yeah, it was like I, I had to stop playing games like when I was like 26 or 25 when I was like, okay, I need to get my life together. But then it was like, okay, I found CryptoKitty is like, this is a game that could change my life, right? It's like, there aren't games, are there, like, what kind of games can change your life? Like, like Axie is a game that people pray for. Axie is a game that most of our users would say has changed their lives um, if they played for like at least eight, six, six or eight months. Do you think um, that? Like one one of the things that I was wondering if like the the city of NFT ownership is it going to start crossing games where like I don't know Axie properties are starting to be used in like a CryptoKitties crossover like is that you think that's a real thing or is it like kind of a little bit too far out Yeah, I think I think like so so basically this idea of interoperability between like different ecosystems right this has been uh, around for a while. Uh, we haven't really seen it work yet, and we haven't seen like indications that it's that it's on the way. Like I think what we've seen is that with Axie, one of the awesome things is you can have base NFT assets like the Axies, like one team of Axies could be, can be used in multiple different games, right? So that's one way of adding like more utility and value to the assets over time is just by building more experiences, right? So if you think of that. If you think of the Axie ecosystem as a theme park, right, and Axie is the entry tickets, right, is like as the experiences get more interesting and fun, it's easier to justify, you know, a certain base level of value for those assets, right? So, yeah, I think like vertical interop where one game universe with many different experiences or games and one kind of unifying underlying type of nft game asset like a pet that you can use across different experiences that's what we're seeing right now um i think the future of like bringing stuff across ecosystems like that's going to be cool that's going to be more like cross marketing right cross pollination could even be like 
user extraction or attempted attacks, right? You know, the first time you saw that was like when Kasama or something like, right, just allowed you to just like lock your ETH and then you get like your token. That was like a, a, an attack on the Ethereum community um, using, right, like, oh, like if you use your game asset, <laughs> like Ethereum is just a game asset. If you use your game asset, internet game asset, like we'll give you stuff in our ecosystem. That was the first time that I actually saw like a, a horizontal interop and it was actually an attack, right? So I actually think that that's, how it's going to happen in games too. <laughs> it's all one giant game. <laughs> um, I think that that's pretty interesting. I often don't think of it in these like adversarial modes, kind of think of a utopia, but you're probably right. I studied Clausewitz, right? So I'm like really into like military uh, history. Uh, like, yeah, war is just <laughs> politics by another means. <laughs> As you guys build this out, um, what do you see as kind of the most important thing, like for uh, for mm. Axie? I think like it, uh, it's about like ma- making sure the community stays amazing even at scale. For a long time, our strength has been our community, but our community was small. It's easy to have a tight knit small community. It's hard to have a tight knit large community. So I, I think like being able to still attract like dreamers and thinkers and creatives and and the people that basically just make your community have strong culture. I think like that's super important. A lot of value will just flow from that. NFTs are kind of like the cultural arm of crypto, right? So it's like, we can't just like think like in terms of logic, like we also need to like, or I don't know, like we need to have people who basically make the community fun. One way of making Axie fun, the easiest way of making Axie fun is to make the community fun. Uh, relying on the game to provide all of the fun, that's really difficult. And actually, there are very few games um, where that exists, right? Like a lot of games, even like World of Warcraft, right? It's like actually playing WoW is like it's it's a grind fest, man. Like playing those dungeons, raids. Like, I grew up playing WoW. Like what's fun is like hanging out with your friends um, and like looking at, you know, showing off your stuff, this the social signaling. Anyway, so the, the the stronger the community is, the more valuable it is, right? Like to be a part of, and I think a lot of the value and the, the economics actually stem from that. That's awesome. I mean, you're like a hundred percent right. When I think about the games that I've played, the most fun that I've had was with like a, a close group of friends. You know, did you come in with that mindset starting to build Axie, or was this something that you guys discovered over in the process? Hmm. So very early on, we wanted to pitch Axie as a social network, but like people weren't ready for that. And that was kind of like people are telling us, oh, you know, you guys are actually a social network. Like, don't think of yourselves as a game. We're like, yeah, like, yeah, that's that's really. <laughs> so, yeah, like we, we've always had this idea, right, that the community was at the heart of it. It's more of a social thing. Like, that's basically how if we think of it as a social network, then a lot of our the direction makes a lot more sense we've thought about that for a long time we just haven't been able to publicly speak about it because it, it's laughable when you have 50 <laughs> people in a discord right yeah i mean that's that's fine though right like we started i i kept saying to people that i gotta build an operating system and a blockchain at the, and a and a social network at the same time <laughs> this, this is a weird a weird uh technology are your like users like kind of geographically concentrated or is it everybody around the world at this point? Yeah. I mean, so we have players in every nation 
except for Central African Republic. So, you know, it's, it's very geographically dispersed. We do have around 60% of our users are from the Philippines. So that is like a huge pocket of adoption for us. But yeah, we have plenty of North Americans, Europeans who are playing as well as, yeah, like a lot of people from developing markets. Um, South America is huge, Venezuela, Brazil. Is the vast majority of the people playing the game for this like speculative side of it? Like where I'm trying to like earn a living? I think it's, it's a combination of both, right? So it's like if you survey our users and say, do you play for fun or do you play to earn money? They'll say they play for both. Like 70% are going to be like, yeah, I play for fun and to earn money. Like <laughs> it's, a, it's like it's a combination <laughs> of those two things that's never existed. If it was just about money, like I think there are easier ways. To, there might be easier ways to make money. I don't know. I, I, maybe, maybe that's maybe that's not true. But I will say that you know it is important that it's fun, and I think like our, our users generally do ha- enjoy the fact that they're you know they love the fact that they're able to have fun and earn at the same time. I would say maybe more quantitatively, I would say around like maybe sixty to seventy percent of the spend within their ecosystem is you know based on speculation. But even speculation has different tiers and gradations of speculation, right? It's like, I, I might buy a first edition Charizard, and I just never intend on selling it. But like, I'm also interested in maybe the fact that it could go up in value, right? I think a lot of the, the spend in Axie is kind of that type of speculation, where it's like, collection is actually right like a form of speculation. I think like people feel more okay about actually spending a lot on axes because they have the option right it's it's like something that they could end up right like selling later but they end up like just getting too attached to it to sell or right they become rich like from other uh, parts of their life uh, right and being in crypto and then they're like okay like i can never sell this thing so yeah i would say like right now like maybe yeah 60 to 70 percent of the spend is like you know spec in spec in varying degrees of speculation um, and then, yeah, there's, there's a lot where people are just, you know, they're spending because they see axes as fun, cute pets, um, or yeah, they want to spend and, you know, they want to keep up to date with the battle meta. They want like a, a varied collection that they can use, um, in different situations. It's also just fun to experiment and play different teams and different team combinations in the arena. Um, where do you guys see this going? Like in the next, you know? let's say a hundred years, <laughs> like, what, what, are, what is like the, like the, you know, like you guys have all the resources you want now, like where, where is this going? Like at, at the end of it. Hmm. And in terms of the end game, right. I think we want Axie to be known as something that brought freedom to a lot of people. I think like, hopefully people will see it as something where we had for a really long time, like, lots of questions around declining economic freedom. And it was like, oh, this cute game that seems really simple on the surface. It actually took us down this entire rabbit hole that uh, made major societal changes. Um, I think like, you know, that's, that's one of the things where basically just bringing economic freedom to people uh, through, through gamers, right? So first introducing gamers to blockchain, but, I mean, gamers are half of the world's population. So, so yeah, I, I think that that's that's a really important aspect of it. I also, yeah, I hope that Axie will become known as this kind of community-owned 
uh, IP or the first game ever owned by the people that play it. Um, I hope that Axie or Sky Mavis is just one of many entities that are building uh, stuff on the Axie IP. I hope, you know, there might be sister universes, right? So it's like if Axie is the Pokemon of blockchain, what will be the Mario, right? Like, will they all be, right, like kind of uh, descended from this community, this movement? I, th- I think that could happen, you know, when the, t- when the timing is right. So, yeah, I, I think that, that those are kind of aspects um, of the long-term plan, right, I think. Uh, yeah, basically decentralizing the development of content for Axie. Uh, whereas right now it's like basically up to Sky Mavis to build, I guess, at least gameplay content, right? Like we have a lot of awesome tools and stuff built by our community. But yeah, I, th- I think that is going to be key. So yeah. it's beautiful. That's awesome. I mean, like what you're describing is I think really cool. Like what if there is a fair in-game economy that I experience as a gamer, I'll be able to recognize unfairness in the world around me, right? And take action and change it. That's awesome. <laughs> I think that's really cool. I think so 23% of our players have never had a bank account and they don't, they've never had like basic financial services and they have a Ronin wallet. And uh, we're, you know, we're, we're, I think like in the future, it makes sense to, you know, issue a Ronin card. And boom, like, right, like, you now have people who are able to earn within this new digital economy and spend it and simulate their local economies directly. Yeah, I also think that Axie players will become a voting block and uh, governments will be forced to, like, support Axie. They may even, like, do lobbying, right, or, like, campaigning directly to the Axie community. One of the problems that we have with crypto regulation is that we don't have enough of the population that cares about crypto yet, but like this is starting to happen in Korea. 10% of the population, like they own crypto or trade crypto. Therefore the, po- the politicians, they're forced to basically support crypto and like try to, you know, uh, basically be more crypto friendly. So this is also the problem is in the developing world. It's like, you know, we only have like less than 5% of the population that really truly cares about crypto. We need to pump those numbers up. Like we need to get it to like 25% of the population. And then like the nation state, the platforms, they have, they're forced in free society, at least. Let's assume that we have the assumption of at least a free society. In, in a free society, the nation state and the platforms, they have to bend to the will of the people, of the users, right? So it's like, Right now we have platform risk with crypto. Why? Because like the users don't demand it of the platforms. Like, yeah, but, but it's, it's, it's coming around. Right. And then even like people who work at these platforms, right. Like Google, Apple, like they're also like, they're getting into crypto too. Like they're normal people that right, like can go through the same experiences as us. They're not like cold hearted or anything by any means. Right. The same thing with government officials, right. Like they can all like fall in love with this movement and, and the ideas they just need to, have some incentive to think about it because they're also like, you have to think of them as service providers, right? And they have to care about what their users or constituents think, right? So it's actually, it's up to us to aggregate users, right? To get them on our side and to get them to demand to basically respect and um, not mess around with crypto. So, I mean, you guys sound like 100% true believers of like decentralization. Uh I believe in empowering users. Decentralization is a tool. Decentralization is very vague, right? It can mean a lot of different things, right? So 
uh, like right now, I, I think I mentioned earlier, right? Like our players, they really love the aspect of a player owned, player driven economy, right? That is like um, kind of decentralized by nature. They love the idea of in-game resources being tokenized and fungible. In terms of the data storage, they are more flexible, like on average. Um, There's a lot of aspects to it. I mean, I think like the the kind of like engineering lens on it is often often misses the cultural lens, right? Like data availability and like where stuff goes and things like that, I think is one thing. But I personally believe that the cryptography, right? This idea that we have wallets that can sign stuff, that's the magic of it. Like it, as soon as you have a billion people that can do this, then some technology will figure out or connect Definitely. them because now you have a billion people that can write, like can create these like indestructible signatures that are not spoofable, right? That, that's kind of a, a massive shift in how we communicate. What do you guys want to see developed in crypto, like outside of what you guys are doing? Huh, that's a good question. I want to see, I mean, I want to see more experimentation in games. Um, we need other games out there to test features uh, so that, yeah, we, we might like, we might use them, right? Like, we, we might be like, oh, that worked really well in this game. Like, how would that look in our universe? I think, like, that's how games work. Uh, that's how game development works, right? So it's like testing economic features, right? Like different types of crafting systems, for example. It's like, we want the best crafting system like we don't, and yeah, like if we just have to think about it kind of by ourselves, like what does an NFT games crafting system look like? If we're the only ones thinking about that, like it's going to be, it's going to be tough. It's going to be more difficult. Like we need more minds. Um, so yeah, I, I want an entire industry of play to earn games or NFT games or blockchain games, whatever you want to call them. Um, I want that. Like, uh, so yeah, you know, some of some of the stuff. I think like, yeah, that's, that's, that's my main ask that probably people might not think is like, people are like, you probably don't want like competitors, right? It's like, no, you actually like our biggest risk is that we don't have any competitors right now. That's awesome. Dude, the, the, this is kind of uh, you guys are amazing. Uh, there's very few people that I've talked to that have, that have asked, like, we need competitors. We need, <laughs> we need people that are like, make each other, each other stronger, you know? Um, yeah. People, people see, right. People see things as like kind of zero sum or whatever. I mean, I like to win. Like, I'm super competitive, right? And I will, yeah, create competitors in my mind. Um, <laughs> to, to let, right? <laughs> or, like, anyone that's, like, kind of scored those is, like, yeah, like, I don't know. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm actually like that even, uh, as well. But, yeah, it's, like, it's definitely not a zero-sum game. Um, it's, like, there's, there's so much meat on the bone. It's, like, right? It's, like, until, like, we have onboarded 5 billion users onto blockchain, it's, like, we're never, fi- we're not fighting over the same users, like, it's, it's not how it works. If you build something new and interesting, like, you're going to be able to onboard, like, people who have never heard about crypto, like, that's what you need to go for. Um, it's not about, like, yeah, if you're building, like, the same boring stuff, and you have no, basically, if you don't have distribution figured out, then all you can do is, like, rely on other people's distribution. Um, right. And people might be worried about those types of people stealing their users or taking their users. But like those types of people, like they can't like actually build something that can steal your users in mass. People who think like that. That's awesome, man. I, I just finished watching the Michael Jordan like story, The Last Dance, and he had the same attitude. <laughs> just wants somebody to beat <laughs> to give him a challenge. Um, 
Yeah, I think like I think for the Axie community is like definitely like we're like the '96 bulls right now. <laughs> like the actually like the Axie community, they're super vindictive. Like <laughs> if you if people like don't like pay them their respect, um, they like go after them. I'm like trying to get them to make sure to punch up. Um, they're they're like a hive mind, man. Like I can't you know I can't control them, but uh, I think like it's important it's important for them to focus on punching up and like always finding an enemy that's larger than them rather than like trying to like. I don't know, just make fun of like these small NFT influencers for not like supporting Axie. So. Who, who's their, who's their, who's their enemy right now? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just people who are they, like, there was a whole, uh, there was like 10 days of, okay, I, everything in Axie is exploding. Like now we need to rub it in the face of like everyone, like everyone who like ever like said something bad about Axie on Twitter or something like that. So like, I, I try to try to get them not to like think like that, but they're kind of funny. They're kind of funny. <laughs> Uh, this is just some love lost between like Axie and CryptoPunks or something. Uh, I mean, you know, like there's different. I don't. I don't want to like feel any feuds. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's 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 all it's all in good fun. Um, I I I love the generative art. Like I think it's um, it like it's clever, right? There's something interesting about this idea that this like pixelated image you know, has a human face and is like permanent and it was randomly generated. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's actually part of Axie, yeah. right? Is like, you know, there's the breeding process, right? So everyone like can recognize their own Axies, especially if it's kind of, and it's very quite easy to actually create a unique Axie. Um, there's so many combinations, right? So, you know, Axie is kind of like a generative pet, right? That you can actually use. So I think like yeah, that minting process and like that bonding process, that's part of what, what makes the economy sustainable is people like bond with their axes and it would, it's really difficult for them to just like sell all of them like randomly. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Like, right. You got to like, basically you get your favorites pretty quickly and then you kind of keep them. Same, same thing with Pokemon. I think that's why a pet game works best. Like it's just easier to make it work. Like, it's something that's nostalgic and familiar. People like feel really bad trying to sell them. Um, so yeah, like it's like the easy easiest way in terms of like knowing what to do. Um, actually executing it maybe it's quite difficult. But. Do you ever? Did you have a Tamagotchi? Uh, I I had one. Yeah, I had one. I think in second grade. Yeah, I had one. One of those too. That, that was. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's just the generation that grew up with the stuff that gets it instantly. <laughs> uh, I think no, I think it's a human. I think it's a basic human instinct. Um, like there are, I think, billions of pet owners in the world, right? So it's like Axie potential. Like right, it's like you think of it in terms of who are the potential Axie players in the world, right? It's like three billion gamers, like two billion pet owners, um, right? Then there's the collectors. I think like collecting and art, right, is like a larger market than gaming. Um, right. So it's like you're basically combining all of these huge markets and turning into like one supermarket that could be bigger than all of them. That's one of the ways that I think about it. And when you combine things, when you combine things and integrate them, like they off, they're often like much crazier than the, the individual parts. Well, I mean, you guys have an amazing vision. Um, thank you for like, you know, stopping by the Solana podcast and, uh, talking to us uh, it, it's pretty awesome what you guys are building congrats on all the amazing success and don't stop innovating thanks man yeah keep building uh you yeah, love what you guys are doing at solana 
and yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to see some like awesome games like also deploy on Solana as well. Um, I saw I saw one called Aurori that looked really cool. Um, I think I'm excited for that one. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah, I, th- I think game gaming is going to be a huge part of Solana's future, and yeah, definitely excited to to watch it all unfold. Appreciate it. All right.